The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son, Isaac, was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of this boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up. Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt." Jamie Lee. I was reading this story this week and I was struck by a couple things that we finally get to this part of the story. We've been waiting for this for quite a while. God came to Abram, Genesis chapter 12, and promised him that he would have these descendants. He promised that he would make him into a great nation. And it it just struck me of how long Abraham, Abraham had to wait for this. Like this was... Does anybody know off the top of your head how long he had to wait from the time of Genesis 12 when God made this promise to him before Isaac was actually born? Anybody know? 25 years. That's right. 25 years. God made a promise. So I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you descendants. 25 years goes by before God comes through on that promise. 25 years. God reiterated that promise uh, A few weeks ago, we looked at that in Genesis chapter 15, where God established like a formal covenant with Abraham. But even after that, like that's that's the time when God said, Abraham, go out, walk out of the tent, look up at the stars. 
How many are there? Anybody like, one, two, three? You got, he says, I'm, I'm gonna give you descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. Took Abraham down to the, down the beach and said, hey, look at the sand. More, more descendants than the grains of sand that are on this beach. And then even after that, even after Genesis 15, it was at least 10 years, maybe as many as 15 years before Isaac was born. Like, this is a long, long time to wait. And sometimes we watch Abraham's life and we know he's a man of faith, like the New Testament highlights his faith. And sometimes we see him drift away and we, we give him a hard time about it, right? Like we, we kind of like, why, Abraham, you know God's coming through. You know God's made this promise. You know this. But every now and then we see that it's very hard for Abraham to walk that line. We see it, it's very difficult for him to continue to walk the line. And when he, when, he, when he strays away from the path, right, he finds himself in a ring of fire, a burning ring of fire. Like, <clears throat> sorry, when my voice is like this, the Johnny Cash quotes just come out of me. I don't know why. It's just, just what happens. It's a... Probably my time in Folsom Prison. I don't know what's going on. So you have 25 years of waiting. And if we're honest, like we can identify so much with Abraham and the fact that every now and then he drifted away. And, and every now and then he took matters into his own hands. Because it, like, it's just hard to wait on God. We can say we trust him, but when he delays, when he doesn't answer when it seems like he should have done something by now, it just gets really, really difficult at times. And that just struck me of how long he had to wait. But the other thing that really struck me, and I thought this was even more important in this passage, is the fact that our God makes promises. I mean, you just think about that. He, he, our God is willing to make promises. He's willing to put his character on the line. He's willing to put his name at risk. He makes promises to his people all the time. Our God is the God who works for his people. He doesn't need anything from us. So he works for us. He serves us. He makes promises to us because he knows we can't accomplish anything on our own. And so our God, he's willing to make promises to us. You look at Adam and Eve, like, the book of Genesis is just God making promise after promise after promise to his people to sustain them, to take care of them, to, to, to work every, everything out. Adam and Eve messed it up. They ruined it for everybody. If you ever want to say that phrase, like those people, man, they ruined it for everybody. Adam and Eve literally ruined it for everybody. Like they were the worst. Adam and Eve were the worst. They were good, but they were also the worst. They ruined it for you and for me. And yeah, we all did it too, but let's just blame it on them for right now. And when they messed it up, God doesn't come to them with demands. He doesn't come to them pointing the finger like, you need to do this and this and this to make it right. He says, you know, you messed this up. You ruined it for everybody. I'm going to fix this. And he gives them a promise. I'm going I'm, I'm to preserve you. I'm going to make a descendant way down the line from you that's going to come in. And this enemy that you have, sin, death, the devil, like he's going to bruise his heel, but he's... This descendant of yours is going to crush his head. The victory's going to be won. God makes a promise to Adam and Eve that in the mess that they created, he's going to fix it. Our God makes promises to us. He works on our behalf. It's, it's just amazing if you just stop and think about the promises that God continually puts himself on the line. Oh, I'll take care of that. I will do that. I'm going to come through. I'm going to accomplish this in your life. He makes promises. 
But don't forget the other half of that, that God keeps promises. That's the most important part, right? I mean, anybody can make a promise. God keeps his promises every single time. No exceptions. He's batting a 1,000, 100%. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. We talk about God, and we use this phrase all the time because it's in our Bible, right, that God is holy. The word holy literally means set apart. What it means is that he's different. You take a bunch of things and you go, this one's different. I'm going to set this apart over here. That's the word holy. It's set apart. He's different. He's different from you and me. Here's one of the millions of ways that God is different from us. When he makes a promise, he always keeps it. We're pretty good at making promises. We're not that great at keeping our promises. We're different from God. Like, and sometimes it's hard because we see God in light of ourselves. And we know that when we make a promise, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we don't come through. Sometimes we realize we overstepped our reach. But God always comes through. That's what makes him different. So as we become Christ followers and as he changes us from the inside out, he makes us a new creation. Here's one of the effects of that. As he makes us people, he begins to change us, transform us into people of integrity so that we begin to be people that make promises and keep promises because he's conforming us to the image of his son. He's making us like Jesus. And so Jesus makes promises and keeps promises. And as we grow in our relationship with Christ, we should be growing in that as well. But overall on the surface as humans, like we know, we make promises, but man, it's hard to keep promises. God always, always, always comes through. There's that song some of you, some of you probably love. It's on the radio. I know David Watkins is a big fan of that song. It says that, God, you've never failed me yet. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't think he's a big fan of that at all. He goes, yet? What are, what are we waiting for? Where's the yet going to come? God's going to fail us next time? Maybe. maybe. I mean, he's, I'll worship him today because he's not failed me yet. <laughs> no, there is no yet with God. It's never coming. He always, 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 always keeps his promises. Every promise that is, like, in the time it's, it's ready, it's been ready to complete, he's already kept it. There's some promises that he's made that haven't happened yet because they're, they're future tense promises, but here's the deal. Like, the Bible teaches us, God makes promises to his people, and he keeps his promises. So what does that mean for us? It means that we can trust him. We can trust him. We can follow him. We can... God makes promises to us all throughout the Bible, and the Bible says that God always keeps his promises, so, so let's just trust him and let's go on about our lives. Let's pray. Isn't that enough? Like, shouldn't that be enough? Like, that, why do we need to keep talking? Because well, I have a lot more notes, mainly, but you know, the reason is because it's hard. The reason is we don't do this that well. We drift away like Abraham. When God delays, like there's stuff that happens that makes it difficult. We know, we know this to be true. God makes promises, he keeps his promises, but it's still hard to trust him. Why is that? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. But let me tell you two that I think come from this passage today that we're looking at. And the first one is that one we've already talked about. That it's, it, The problem we have is that we have a hard time waiting on God. When God doesn't answer in the time that we want him to answer, or in the time that we think he should have answered. We say, okay, he made this promise to me, but it doesn't feel like, it seems like he should have done something by now. 
I haven't seen him. I haven't heard him. I haven't, I haven't got the answer. When, we, have, when we, we enter into that time of waiting and we feel like God should have already come through, it gets really, really, really difficult. So that's what you see with Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, God promised him a son. Sarah's like, you know what? This isn't going to happen. Go, go take Hagar. Have a son with him. Maybe God, maybe God got the details wrong. Maybe he got the, the wife wrong in this thing. So take another wife and, and, and have a son. Like, we take matters into our own hands. We decide to start trying to figure this out on our own because we have a hard time waiting on God. God's timing is different than ours. His, his plan and his schedule is always, almost always different than ours. And it gets really, really difficult. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Those two things are opposite. You, you're trying to figure it out on your own. You're trying to understand everything on your own. You're working out on your own. Or you can trust in God with all of your heart. And when we're trusting him and then we come to this place where we realize he's not doing it, time's running out, it's supposed to happen by now, what do we do? We stop trusting him. We run over here and we start leaning on our own understanding. Oh, I can figure this out. I'll do that. I'll help. I give God a little hand. Probably just was waiting on me. <laughs> Trust in him. Even when the delay, even when there's a delay, even when he doesn't seem like he's at work, we, we, we know God makes promises and God keeps promises. So you see Abraham tw waited 25 years and there's a lot of different things that happened in here. Like there was this, you know, this, the, one of the stories we skipped to get to 21 today was the story of, of, of Abraham with a guy named Abimelech, and we skipped it because it's a, it's a copy of the story of Abraham with Pharaoh when he told him, hey, Pharaoh, this is my sister, and Pharaoh took Sarah as his wife. Same thing happened. Like, Abraham didn't learn his lesson. He, he, he got to Abimelech, another powerful uh, tribal leader, king in that, that realm, in that region, and he decided to do the same thing as last time. He lost faith again, and so there's this waiting period of, God, are you really going to come through? And it's so tempting to walk away from him. We've got to stay in that place of trust, knowing that his timing is perfect on the other side. The other problem I think that we see in this text is that we just don't understand his promises. We just simply miss it. And here's where I see this in this story. If you notice in this story, there's kind of a repeat of, a, of an earlier story we covered and that is this, uh, this problem, this conflict between Sarah and Hagar. This was all Sarah's idea, but she didn't like it when it actually played out. And so now that Isaac is born, when he's weaned, he's two or three years old, they're rejoicing. But then here's this crazy thing that's happening here is um, Ishmael is probably, probably 12, 13 years old-ish. And Sarah sees him laughing or making fun of her child, Isaac. And so the, the women drama rushes right back into this. And I don't have to cover this today because Ryan did that for us. He took that one for the team a few weeks ago. But like Sarah comes to Abraham and she's, she's doing this right here. There's no doubt. She's like, send her away. Get her out of here. Like, I'll make fun of my child. Uh, you, you see the same thing play out, Chick-fil-A, all the time in the playground. It's, it's always there. And so <clears throat> this is kind of a crazy part of the story because Abraham doesn't want to do that. He didn't want to send his other son away. He obviously loves Ishmael. He didn't want to send them away. But then God shows up and tells him, it's okay. Send them away. I'm going to take care of them. 
which is this whole different reminder over here that God takes care of our children even though we can't sometimes. He does. We can trust him with them. And so the, that, that whole thing happens and Abraham gives her a skin of water and some bread and sends her out in the wilderness and they run out of water and they run out of food and they get to the end of the experience there and, and Hagar gives up. She puts, puts a child under this tree over here and she sits over here not looking because she says, I don't want to see him die. I don't want to see him die. And in that moment, what she's doing is she's forgetting a promise God made to her the first time she was in the wilderness, the first time Sarah ran her off. Because the angel of the Lord showed up that day and made a promise. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to take care of you. Go back to Abraham. I'm going to preserve your son. And I'm going to make a nation of its own out of his descendants. And she forgot that promise. And so she finds herself in the wilderness again. And she says, this is it. We're going to die. I don't even watch him, want to watch him die. And the angel of the Lord shows up again and says, what are you doing? Did you forget? I'm going to sustain him too. I'm going to make a whole nation out of him. I'm going to preserve him. I told you that last time. So why did she doubt? I, I'm, I'm guessing this because of how you and I do it. God didn't answer that the way she thought he was going to answer that. That is not the plan she was expecting. When he, she's, the angel Lord first told her, go back to Abraham, I think she thought, well, then I will be Abraham's other wife and I will raise my son and he will have all, all the privileges. And so him getting sent away and them having to start life on their own was not the way she thought God was going to do it. And so she just gave up. And when God answers our prayers and when he comes through for us in ways that we didn't expect him to or ways that we didn't see or ways that we didn't really necessarily want and we didn't think that was the right plan, sometimes it's really, really hard for us to trust him. He keeps his promises. He makes them and keeps them. Sometimes he doesn't keep them the way that we were hoping he would keep them. And so what do we do? Kind of lean on our own understanding again and we drift away from trusting in him. And here she is out in the wilderness going, yep, this is it, I'm going to die. Not trusting God, forgetting his promise, forgetting that he makes them and he keeps them. And she has to be reminded again, just like we have to be reminded again. She doesn't understand the promise of God. She doesn't understand how he's going to fulfill it in her life. And sometimes we get that wrong too. In fact, a lot of times it's, it's not just that God did it in a different way than we expected, but it's this for, for you and me, if we're honest. We think he's made promises that he didn't make. And so we, we got this whole culture of like, well, God would surely want this for me, and God would surely never want this for me, and so I'm, gonna just, I'm just gonna claim that. Like, I'm gonna believe that, that God is gonna make these promises. And there's all kinds of promises that we think, especially in our culture, that God has made that he's never made to us. Now, here's some promises that God has not made to us, just so we're clear on that. And you may not even want to write them down, but you may need to just to remind yourself, because it's easy to find yourself believing these lies, that we believe that God has promised us somehow a trouble-free life. I mean, if you give your life to Christ, all your problems are going to go away. It's going to be easy. Yellow brick road all the way to heaven. That's not the promise that God made to us. In fact, if you read your Bible, it's the opposite of that. Jesus kind of said that. In this world, you're going to have trouble. It's going to be hard times. 
It's going to be difficulty. But man, we want to believe that. We want to claim that promise. Oh, man, a trouble-free life? I'm in for that. You mean Jesus is going to take all my problems away? No, he's going to be there with you through the problems. He's going to sustain you. He's going to help you persevere. He's going to do all these other things, but he never promised a trouble-free life. God's not promised personal success in your life, in your job, even in your ministry. He has not promised you success. That is not a promise that God has made. In fact, Jeremiah and Isaiah, he told them, hey, I need you to speak for me. Guess what? Nobody's going to listen. It's going to be a great job. It'll be awesome. Wait till testimony night at youth camp. You're going to say, yeah, I've been talking. Nobody listens. Great. Like, there's no guarantee of success. We want you to serve in this body because God wants you to serve. He, he's given you a gift to build up the body. We want you serving. We want every member of our church serving in some way in this, in this body. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. That doesn't mean it's always going to work out. That doesn't even mean it's always going to work. God calls us to be faithful. He doesn't promise, promise us success. The results are all up to him. We just be obedient. Sow seeds. Plant seeds. Plow. Water. God makes it grow. Always, always, always God makes it grow. So he does, he's not guaranteed. We think, man, yeah, God's going to bless me. I'm going to pray that prayer of Jabez, and it's going to be awesome. To expand my territory. That's not a promise for you and for me that God makes. He's not promised an answer to all of our questions. Man, that would be great, right? Oh, you got questions? I got all the answers, and I'm going to give them all to you. I'm going to put it in a, in a Google Doc and send it, send it your way. Now, the, the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. There's things that we're just not going to understand. God calls us to walk by faith, not by sight. It'd be easy if this was all by sight. Oh, we can see it, we can hear it, we can have the answer. I mean, here's the question. How long? What, what, no, why did God make Abraham wait 25 years? Why? I don't know. I don't have any idea. I, I wish I could tell you. I really wish. That would make every, all the times that we have to wait for God, that would make it make sense if we had a really clear answer for why Abraham had to wait 25 years. But I, I wish I could say, well, see, Abraham had done this, and then there was this thing that was happening in that culture, and see, what, what, what had happened was, is that, like, I wish that there was a, connect all the dots. That's why it was 25 years. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah, 25. That's what, yeah, perfect. There's not that answer for us. We don't get that answer. Man, I wish, I wish I could. I wish I could say, yeah, he had to wait. Maybe, the, you know, the writer of Hebrews says that Abraham, when he was as good as dead, Isaac was born. So maybe there's a hint there. He was 100 years old. Maybe God was making sure that Abraham never took the credit for any of this. He's 100 years old. Hebrews, he's as good as dead. And then God gave him a child. Maybe that's part of it, but we don't really know why he had to wait. We just don't always get all the answers, and God calls us to trust him anyway, because he has all the answers. It may not be time for us to know him. <coughs> God has not promised us wealth and prosperity. I, I, hope that, I hope there's no questions about that. I hope that's, that's not, a, not a problem here. Like, this is... That is not a promise that God makes to his people. There's some people that God chooses to bless with wealth and prosperity. Some people he chooses not to. Like we, he wants us to trust him no matter what. There's lots of warnings about wealth and prosperity in our Bible that sometimes we want to ignore because we seem to want to claim this promise that he hasn't made to us. 
Amen, this prosperity gospel that, like, if you ever hear anybody, you, like, you, you move away from here and you find a church and you think this is the right church and you hear people saying, like, you don't have enough faith. The problem is you don't have enough faith. And if, God, if you really had enough faith, God would take all your sickness away and God would heal you of all your diseases and you would have all this stuff. Like, like please run, because that's not the gospel. I never promised us that. Run. Give them a Bible and run. Like, that. that Man, it's so easy to think that sometimes that, that God would never want anything bad. God would never want to allow anything bad in our lives. No, no, God's all about our perseverance and our strength and our character. God's not promised us children who will honor and obey us. I figure I'd get at least one amen on that. <clears throat> you've been trying. Lord knows you've been trying. See, here's the problem with that. Sometimes we look at the book of Proverbs and we think that they're promises. They're not. They're principles. There's a difference between a promise and a principle. Solomon's right, and he's got a lot of wisdom. He's saying, here's the deal. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from that. That's a good principle. That's going to work more often than it's not. But it's not a promise. That's why sometimes you do everything that you possibly can, and your children still wander away. And you hope that they'll come back, and you pray, and you do everything. But sometimes it's not a promise. God has not promised that. He's He's called us to faithfulness. And that, there's some things that we think he's promised us that he had, and we could go on and on with that list, but I want to change it. I want to, like, let, let's make this a happy place, and let's talk about some of the promises that God has made to us. Let's, let's talk about some of the things that he has said to us. And, man, we obviously don't have time today to go through all of them. I just want to highlight a few of them, because I think this is what it'll be, is it'll be a reminder It'll be encouragement, and in some ways, it'll even be a challenge for us to consider some of the promises that God has made and the clarity of those promises and what they mean for us on Monday morning and the rest of the week and the rest of our days. Some of the promises God has made, he will work all things for good. He will work all things for good. You know Romans 8, 28. We love this verse. We have it underlined. Make sure you underline it and you know the words of this verse. We know that those, for those who love God, there's an if here, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, the word my is not in there. It's very, very clear in the, in, in the original language. It's just work together for good. There's a greater good here. So there's a God-focused good here that God is working all things out. Sometimes the way he works them out doesn't really feel that good. Sometimes we don't see the answer to how he's working things out. Sometimes that's an eternal type thing. We see it in eternity. We, like, we have to deal with it here. God is always working things out for good, to accomplish his purpose in our lives, and ultimately that will be for our good, but it doesn't mean it feels like it every single step of the way. God works all things for good. He's made that promise. You can trust him in it. You can bank on it, that no matter what happens in your life, God will work something good from it. God will provide a way out, of, out from temptation. That's a promise that he makes to us, that when we're tempted, he's always giving us a way out. He's always giving us an escape plan. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, which right there, that means that your temptation is not unique to you. Somebody else struggles like you struggle. So if you're not sharing those struggles with somebody, you're, you're missing out on some of the resources. You're missing out on some of the ways that God's going to help you escape. 
No temptation that's not common to man. Satan doesn't have any new tricks. But God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It's a promise. You're going to be tempted. Sin is a part of this world. You're gonna be tempted to walk away from God and chase after and follow other things and fall into sin all the time. But God always, always promises to provide a way of escape. And guys, just let's be clear. That escape plan is not, probably not even often or, or not most of the time, it's not just you and God figuring it out. That escape plan is most often you, God, and some really close friends figuring that out. Because we're supposed to be in this together. He promises a way out from temptation. God promises to finish the work he started in our lives. That's a great promise. Like, it's a reminder that we're not finished products, that we're, we're not supposed to have it all together right now. That he began a work, it's his work, and he'll complete the work. He will finish it. Philippians 1.6 tells us when. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. At the end, the day Jesus returns, he'll complete the work. It's a progress all the way up to that point. You never quite get there, and then Jesus is going to make it all perfect in the end. He began a work in you. Maybe it doesn't feel like he's still working in you. Maybe, maybe it feels like he's gone silent for a while. But no, here's a promise. He will complete the work that he started in your life. You can go to the bank with that one. He always comes through on his promises. He will always be with us. You guys know Matthew 28, verse 20, the end of the Great Commission. He says, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. In Hebrews, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. God will be with you all the time, in every situation, in every circumstance, in every valley, in every mountaintop, and everywhere in between. God will always, always, always be with you. He will never leave you. And that, that, that should bring us some encouragement and some comfort to us. So, so far on the list, have you noticed something that all the promises seem to indicate struggle? All the promises seem to kind of point to the fact that this is not going to be easy, that this is going to be a battle, that we're in a war, spiritual war, day in, day out. This is like there's things coming against us, so he's going to work it for good. He's going to provide a way out of the temptation. He's going to complete this work that he started, and he's going to always be with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us, even when it seems like he has. Like this. The promises that God makes for us in this life seem to indicate that he's going to see us through even in the difficulty. Another promise that he makes, he will supply everything we need for the mission. Prayer, sometimes we, we, we don't really understand the, the magnitude of prayer because we kind of use it just to get things that we need to maybe make us more comfortable, but prayer is really this, this tool that God gives us for the battle, for the mission, for the war that we're going, that's going on. John 15, Jesus said it this way, verse 16, you do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, mission, and that the fruit that you bear will abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So as you're on mission, as you're spreading seeds of the gospel, as you're plowing the ground, as you're sharing the love of Jesus with the world around you, 
God's given you the ability to bear fruit that lasts, and he's giving you everything that you need when you ask him for it on the mission. And so the prayer, like, seems like in the Bible, the primary focus of prayer is like, as I'm serving, as I'm following, as I'm on mission with God, he's going to supply my needs. So I call him and I ask him to give me what I need for this mission, for this battle, and he does that. He promises that he will do that. Supplies everything we need for the mission. Just a few promises. We could go on and on and on and on with the promises that God has made for us. I just wanted to highlight just a few to remind us, to encourage us, and maybe to challenge us that his promises are for the battle. It's not going to be easy. So we can trust him. Why? Well, because we said that he makes promises and he keeps them. But surely there's more reason to trust him than that. Surely there's bigger, a bigger reason to trust him than that. And I want to show you this verse because I think it's so amazing. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Paul here is talking about Jesus, and he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about what Jesus has accomplished, and here's what he says. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. The him there, in case you don't, you make circle it, is Jesus. All the promises that God has made to us find their yes, find their fulfillment in Jesus. Here's what that means. You can trust God with everything else in your life, everything that's going on. You can trust him to come through on all these promises in your life. Why? Because Jesus came and he took your place on that cross when he didn't have to. Jesus came because we were hopeless and cut off from God and separated from him and we had no chance of eternity with him. And he rescued us by dying on the cross for us in our place. And when you look at the cross and when you look at what Jesus accomplished and when you focus in on this amazing gospel story, here's what Jesus did for us. It should remind you of a lot of things, but one thing it should remind you is that God keeps his promises. And I can trust him with all the little things in my life, even some of the little things that feel like really big things. I can trust him with all of them. Why? Because I know what Jesus did for me. I know what he accomplished for me. I had no hope at all, and Jesus rescued me. His death on the cross rescued me. So when I look to the cross, I realize that all the promises of God find their yes right there in Jesus. There's no doubts anymore. The doubts are swept away when you really, really focus on the cross. You really focus on the mercy and grace of God demonstrated for us in his son. The love that's poured out. Even while we were sinners, Christ demonstrates his love for us. He died for us. All these promises find their security, find their yes, find their completion because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And that brings me to one more promise I wanna share with you. All these promises we talked about are like for, mostly for the here and now. But one more promise that I think really kind of sums it up and that is this, he will secure our eternity. Because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, we don't have to worry about today, but we don't have to worry about eternity anymore. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, and only in Jesus, to do what only he could do for us, then your, your eternity is secure. Jesus said, nothing can snatch you out of my hand. John 14, he says this, let not your hearts be troubled, because, man, the world's hard, but believe in God, believe also in me, 
In my Father's house are many rooms. That word sometimes gets translated mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare, to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Hey, this world's gonna be a lot of trouble. Take heart, Jesus says, I've, I've overcome the world. And I, my Father's house has many, many rooms and one of them is yours, secured for all of eternity. Nothing snatches you, takes you out of my hand. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. But I did tell you, why? Because I make promises and I keep promises. And guys, let, let me just be honest with you. If that promise is not true for you today, say, man, I don't know for sure. If my, my eternity has been secured, please, please come talk to us. That's the question we want to talk about. That's why we're here. Find Ryan, find me. Find one of our deacons. Find one of our deacons' wives. Find one of the people that serve in this church. Find one of our members, anybody in our church, to be able to tell you about the hope that we have in Jesus, not just for today, but for all eternity because of the promise that he's made and the promise that he will keep. Today we get to worship him because of who he is and what he does. He makes promises and he always keeps them. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this truth today. You're the God who makes promises and you're the God who keeps promises. So help us, God, respond to this truth with faith, with trust, living our lives as if we believe that you're gonna come through because we know that you are. Not drifting away, continue to follow, continue to believe, continue to trust, no matter how long it takes for you to answer, no matter how you decide to answer. And God, help our lives bring glory to you by how we trust you even when it seems like you're silent, when it seems like you're not answering. Help our lives bring glory to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.